Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome to another episode of Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf Magazine, Australia's most read golfing publication. Gary Barter is uh, the fellow next to me. Gary's been around the world again. He's just come back from Chicago. Is there a place you haven't been, Gary? The moon? Have you been to the moon? I haven't. It's expensive. It'd be dry. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's expensive. Ball goes miles, apparently. You look a little tired, guys, so why do not keep Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Cam Davis, one of the stars of the recent President's Cup, has a coach called Khan Pullen, and we're good friends of Khan, and yeah. we'll be talking to Khan about his experience at the President's Cup in an interview coming up. We're also talking to someone you have an association with, a young rising star from the American PJ Tour, Nick Hardy. Yeah, he's awesome. Goes, yeah, and from, and from what you've said, greatness is stamped all over his American forehead apparently mm. went through the alleged collegiate good. system so we're looking forward to listening to what Nick has to say about the way he's got to where he is on the PJ Tour well, I was asked a question guys and I happened to be at the bar which is pretty rare for me about do I line the ball up when I putt I don't and I thought I should so I had a crack but can you line it up I can't I'm, I'm pretty bad at it but I did try the Odyssey triple track putter with an Odyssey Callaway Chrome Soft triple track ball. So there's three lines on the ball, three lines on the putter, and it worked. It took me about 15 minutes to hit a putt, but it worked. So I want to get your views on that. In, in, no, no one wants to play golf with you. Though, uh, no one wants to play with me anyway, even mm. before that, particularly now. Um, so I did head back to the bar eventually <laughs> to have my second drink. Our spit of the week, guys, for this show is why the hell was Ryan Fox excluded from the President's Cup team? And since the President's Cup has been played, we saw Ryan win the Dunhill Championship mm. at St Andrews uh, on a quality yeah, field, on a, a quality golf course. That was a pretty big omission. Massive. Now, it, which raises the question, should we have captain's picks at all? And we'll discuss this later on in the spin. Mm. We'll be back to talk about Live Golf and your experience at Chicago for the mm, most recent yeah, Live good. event and the President's Cup. Your take on that. Guys, we've just had a little funny moment, haven't we? But we're moving on. Andy, please um, stop laughing. Andy's our producer. Bunty the button pusher is what you used to be called, wasn't it? Enough about Andy. Gaz, tell us about um, Chicago, the Live's fifth tournament, wasn't it? It was. And uh, a certain Cam Smith winning the vibe, the galleries, the your experience, your your dinner with Greg Norman. I want to know everything he said. Do not hold back. <laughs> it was actually it was, it was actually a great event. You, you can't tell us anything. I understand that, and the listeners. But you had dinner with no, Greg we can. Norman. No, we can. He was he was really good. He was he put on a barbecue for the Aussie team. Did he actually cook it? He he didn't cook it. But was it um, seafood? It wouldn't have been seafood. It was just beautiful Aussie meat, uh, Aussie wines. It was a great. Get together. It was great of Greg to do it. It was just got the team together, team punch, uh, family, friends, and it was a great night. That's yeah, the, it was that's awesome. The, for the listeners, that's the, the Australian side, isn't it? Yeah, it's fundamental. Matt the Jones, Australian Wade Lonsby, Mark Leishman, Cam Smith. Yeah, and obviously Cam and Mark, it's their first event at Live, their first experience that week. Um, Matty played the practice round with Cam and the boys first couple of days, and then he drew Cam in the Pro-Am. So I got to see a lot of Cam play, and he's clearly at the top of his game. He's um, obviously everything's come together, mental, physical. He's got no weaknesses. Mm. In the practice rounds, he he pretty much cleaned them up in the in their money games. He? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, he was he he just has um, his game looks bulletproof at the moment, mm. and he's 
He's such a relaxed individual. He's sort of very he's a quiet. Cracker of a bloke, isn't he? Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing how quietly confident he is, yeah. and how comfortable he is in that place at the moment. Because obviously, he's going into these events favourite um, with Dustin Johnson and and Kepka, and mm. yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good quality field, and and he seems to embrace it. And you look at Cam getting drawn with Dustin, and it looks like um, you know just Goliath. And and there's Cam, and he just yeah keep, keeps knocking him over at the moment. Mm. And Matt, how's Matt playing? Matty Jones, he's playing good. He just he just he had a hit a chance there. He uh, he shot four under the first round. He should have probably shot seven under. He's just not making those putts, those critical putts that you need to make at different parts of the round to get momentum. But I think he finished fourteenth or sixteenth or something in the in the event, which doesn't sound that great, but. He, he he was in there. He was playing pretty good golf. Team Punch got a podium for the first time, mm, which is exciting. That's right, yeah. Cam, Cam hold like a 15-footer on the last. He obviously won the golf tournament, but that 15-footer got got us in a tied third. So for the boys, it was pretty exciting. Uh, see, that's where – that's that's the uniqueness of it, isn't it? The, the, the tournament structure, the format, that he has that putt. He's winning by three – but he has that putt to actually get the team onto the podium. So that he's, he's, he's grinding on that putt, even though he's three in front, he can't lose the tournament. Yeah, like we went in, we went into the last day um, with a big chance, but we, we, we didn't get going the last day. And and as it all turned out, because obviously a shotgun, Matt Matt finished on the first hole. Mm-hmm. That was his last hole, and he, he made about a 18-foot birdie putt. And so obviously in real time, and then Cam, Cam made like a 15-footer, and that that sort of got them up from mm. from fourth into third, so it was pretty. That was pretty exciting. Good for the boys. So yeah. they're embracing the team side of it. Yeah, they love they they love it. It's it's a it's sort of a lot of camaraderie, and you know, it's um, a team punch hasn't sort of enjoyed a very good season up until that point. Mm-hmm. So we're we, you know we're looking forward to the end of the season with the the teams event because the. Obviously, the um, the American team uh, they they're just killing it. Obviously, yeah, yeah. So how does the how does the the final event work in terms of it's it's just purely teams, isn't it? There's no individual, or is there? no? There is no. There is. There's oh, a okay. yeah. There's a tour championship, um, and the format I don't think's been finalised at the moment. But mm. it'll it'll be a it'll be like a a knockout situation right, where right. four teams will get knocked out in the first round. And then they'll navigate into four teams playing the final day. So it'll be it'll be pretty good. It'll be pretty exciting. Obviously, it's not match play, is it? No, no, it's not match play. But it's evolving, isn't it? I mean, it could be anything next year. They could, it's, it's, things are changing. They've got. Yeah, I think they'll I believe be, they've got TV rights covered. I'm, I'm not sure who yet, but the word is. Yeah, on that's the, the rumor. That's the rumor on the street. The I think I think you'll see them in in team outfits. Oh, okay, right on. Yeah, next next season, so that'll that'll be more sort of uh, more for people to grab hold of. You know, look at look at their team colours, like looking at your foot, footy team. Mm, mm, you know, yeah, so you'll yep. you, you'll you'll have that sort of relationship there. So the it, it it it's it's definitely it's I think it's exceeded their expectations. Liv, I think that when they when they started. Obviously, there was a there was that that initial <laughs> got wobbly in February, didn't it, with Phil? Well, yeah, and then and then, but I think to get to get you know twelve Ryder Cuppers and you know thirteen major winners and and getting the quality of field they've got, and they're getting to the point now where probably forty of their forty eight players are, are 
pretty fully subscribed. Mm-hmm. So moving forward, I'm not sure how the model's going to go, whether they're going to increase that from 48 or not. It'll do to do with world ranking points moving forward. Mm. That'll be another that'll be another hurdle for them because the any rumours there. I haven't I haven't heard anything um, negative. Uh, I haven't heard anything super positive yet. I just know that it's a, an ongoing process to satisfy all the all the tours, all the parties. But we we all know one thing is that moving forward. We want the best players playing the game to play the majors. Mm. And if if it goes two years, three years without world ranking points, like you'll see the players, they'll just gradually slip out, slip mm. out. Like mm. I think I think Matt slipped out from 60 in the world out to about, you'd be going close to 90 in the yeah, world yeah, now. Yeah, sure, just more. They're just, yeah. yeah, they're just not playing to, to re- re- accrue any points. Mm. Mm. So then those players... Other than Cam's fine because he's obviously yep, one of majors, yep. uh, so he, he's he's fine and Dustin's fine. They'll be playing for a bit, but those other players, um, Deschambeau's fine, but a lot of those other players, they will start to slip out of that top mm. fifty, which is pretty much out of the majors. So, do you see the majors um, embracing the players still that have that have joined Live that the Cam Smiths will Cam be welcome to play at Augusta, for example? Do you think how, how – and Augusta appears to be what's well, the first one of the year. So I guess we'll, we will know shortly whether there is any sort of sanctioning on the live players for Augusta. But mm. I'm hearing that, that if there is one that, that might sanction, it could be them. Really? Yeah, yeah Augusta. I, I hadn't heard that. Which is um, quite remarkable given the – you know, when you talk about discrimination, that place has um, had a, their fair share of those. I mean, yeah, they've, they've had some battles. Bloody earth. Yeah. yeah. Which seems... Anyway, yeah, that's just... Uh, that was on... That's literally on the streets, that one. I haven't actually... I, I might have read it in something, but yeah, it was... But my, my, my take on Chicago is it was very successful. I think the, the crowds there on the last day were... Phenomenal. Like it felt, it felt to it me. Did look a lot. Yeah, like the, that was the most crowds of, all, of the ones. Is, is that your experience? You've, you've been to all five. Yeah, that that was the to me that was the one that uh, I hadn't I didn't go to Boston. Oh, okay. And I heard that was pretty good too, but um, obviously Cam had his first experience in Boston, and then um, yeah, you know he was in there to win that as well. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and wins in Chicago, and obviously um, Leash Leash didn't have his A game in Chicago, but he's a, he's a quality player. So I look forward to. Especially in Thailand, Leash has got a great, great record in Asia. Yeah, I think he started his yes, career. Right. He started his career in Korea, mm. and uh, he's he's got a great record he's over there. He's been quiet, isn't he? Have Cam, you seen him play? Have you seen Leash play? Have you, have you, do you see it in, in? No, no, I saw it. No, I saw him. I saw him play a lot. I saw him play a lot. He he still looks good. He's 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 just such a good player, and like 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 this game. You know, if you if you sort of one percent off, you finish twenty fifth. Yeah, 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 and. The bottom line is with Leash. Looking at him in Chicago, he just he just couldn't make a putt. Mm. Yeah, he was he was just uh, he had a terrible time on the greens. And if and that's that's the big difference. Yeah, that you notice. You look at even last week, Mackenzie Hughes. I think they had a stat on him at Sanderson Farms that he made twenty one of twenty three up and downs during oh, the seventy two holes. Now that's that's ridiculous. No, it's a, it's you know you you've you've played a lot of golf. I've played a lot of golf. It's 
it's it's all it's almost like you can, you can't make that up. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It is like it's 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 that that's the sort of Are level. You talking greens like the twelve or thirteen on the bloody stem. Though, yeah, right? that's that's where Cam Cam is so tight. He's so good at getting the ball up and down. It's it's almost it's almost like the course can't win. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter where he hits it. <laughs> You'll find a way to beat it. Oh, it's un- it's unbelievable how how good he is, and it's not something that's happening. Every second week or third week, it's just every time he goes and plays, he's he's just so bulletproof. Mm. Uh, his short game is so good, but it's his time right now too. Mm. Mm. You know, when Jordan was at top of his game, yep. when when Jason Day was their their short games were just extraordinary. So. Was it was there any talk there about the Presidents Cup amongst the players? About the fact that they weren't playing in the Presidents Cup and and um, they there were missing, there, or they 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 you know they were feeling like they were you know being um, badly treated or mistreated. No, I don't think morning. so. I don't think so. I just I just think that they as players um, they obviously understand that they've joined the Live Tour and they they understand that uh, when they signed that they weren't going to be able to play in those events. But as 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 players, they they sort of probably feel that they'd still like to be playing. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. It, it. There was no there was no talk of any disrespect to the Presidents Cup because they all love playing the Presidents Cup. Yep, yep, uh, they okay. love playing the Ryder Cup. They genuinely do. It's just that unfortunately, that's the they knew it was coming. That's though, the they? situation they're in, and yep. and hopefully in time the the tours will get together. I think it will have to happen. Uh, there's, there's, there was I think there was a report last week. One of the major sponsors on the PJ Tour—I'm not sure who it was—but they, they were sort of asking for this to sort of get together at some yeah, point. Yeah, okay. So That's we'll what see. it might take. Yes, that might, that might be the the bridge. Might be well, money and sponsoring, and you know, someone wanting to be part of both. Or yeah, I think everyone. I think all the all the the general public definitely want the the players to come together. So hopefully, it'll happen. Mm, okay. President's Cup, we touched on that a second ago. What what's your thoughts on that and how that panned out? Cam Davis, obviously one of the one of the stars. Yeah, he played he played great. Like going in as a rookie and to step up and to see the way he played in some of those matches at the end, some of the shots he hit. It's um, amazing for him, um, as an insight into him moving forward that he can step up under pressure. Scotty Scotty had a rough start to the week, but he started to play a bit better at the end. Mm. I think if if Scotty and Matsuyama had a had a, had a better yep. combination moving forward, and I think that the even though it did look lopsided, if you if you actually look at a lot of the matches, they were very very close. Mm, mm, yeah, they were, they were very very close matches. But the Americans seem to be able to put the pedal on when they need to. They 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 know how to win. If you if you just look at their world ranking com- make up compared to the world ranking of the internationals. Oh, it was we, crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, it was, was crazy, and 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 I think that I watched a lot of it, and I think that it was still a big event. There's no doubt about it. Mm. It still had a good feel to it. It would have been better with obviously our full strength yep. international side. Yep. I think that would have been better. But if the result would the result have been different, we we don't know. Mm. Uh, we we I think we've had one win. Yeah, in we the, have in the one, history. one win and one half. Yeah, and one half. So came close last uh, 2019 at Royal Melbourne. Came really close there. Yeah, very close. We lost the singles on um, Sunday by quite a bit, and and but they, every match was close. It was just um, could have gone either way quite easily, but that's as close as we've been, I think, outside of the the win at 
and the half at uh, South Africa, the win at, it was at Royal Melbourne. 98, guys. Yeah, Greg played. Yeah, he played Tiger, uh, I think, the last day in the singles. So, guys, we're going to take a breather, and then we'll be right back with Khan Pullen. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. Well, he's the high-performance manager at Golf New South Wales. He's a coach of many great Australian players, including our own Cam Davis. It's Khan Pullen. G'day, Khan. How are you, mate? G'day, Larry. How you going, mate? G'day, Gus. G'day, Khan. Mate, you were at the President's Cup. That must have been an amazing experience. One, we'll get to that in a second, but was there an atmosphere there that we were just going to get absolutely belted? I wouldn't have said that. Like, I thought Trevor Immelman done an amazing job of sort of, you know, pulling the players together. He created an unbelievable sort of team building. I know they'd got there a little bit earlier. Cam was invited up to sort of like a little bit of a training camp a couple of weeks beforehand. They really started the bonding there. So I felt that Trevor done a really good job to try and pull the team together and build some great belief amongst the team and playing hard for each other. But obviously you look at that American team on paper and you know, the rankings difference between that was obviously it was going to be a big mountain for him to climb, but I thought, I wouldn't have said it was going to be a walkover. It was always going to be hard, and obviously the, the internationals made it pretty competitive in the end. I think almost led by Cam, wasn't it? I mean, Cam had a fantastic week, let the scoreboard up on the last few holes on pretty well every match he had to win. It was an extraordinary effort for a first-time President's Cup player, surely. Yeah, no, it was. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the match with Siwoo on the Thursday, but that one in particular on sort of late in the Saturday afternoon when things weren't looking too great. You know, Sunday mightn't have even made it if they didn't sort of do a bit of a late rally on that sort of Saturday afternoon. And obviously Cam and Tom Kim and Adam Scott and all those sort of guys, you know, towards that late Saturday afternoon when they made that run and obviously had a, I think they won overall the day on the Saturday that made it a little bit more competitive. And obviously Cam was part of that with that sort of, you know, eagle birdie birdie finish on that afternoon. Adam probably played some amazing golf as well, to be honest. Cam was a little bit sort of, I mean, Adam was probably carrying the ship probably for the end part of the front nine through the early part of the back nine. And, you know, Cam just slipped fire at the end there with, with that sort of finished to get the win home but yeah it was truly probably Cam probably with those shots you know with the highlights but Adam's play earlier in the round as well really kept him in it to, to give him a shot for those, over those last few holes as well it was, a, it was a good team effort between the two of them. Khan congratulations on all your efforts with Cam. Thanks Cam. You know obvi- obviously seeing him come through as a kid seeing him win at all those levels obviously Aussie Open in 17 on the PJ Tour and then seeing um your charge, obviously, playing the President's Cup. You must have been pretty proud. Yeah, look, and it was interesting. I wanted to give uh, Cam a little like a little gift on congratulations of his selection, you know, and getting in that. And it was pretty hard to find, you know, something to give something. I mean, uh, to give Cam, like, obviously, he has a, a pretty nice lifestyle and doesn't really want for much in saying that he's, you know, he still lives a pretty modest lifestyle in, in what he does at home. So you went to the $2 shop? I actually <laughs> went to Roseville Pro Shop, to be honest. And I said, what can I give him? And I thought, you know what, I just wanted to give him my... So I went with the whole idea of just getting like a, a ball marker that he could sort of have in his pocket just to sort of carry around and the message was look how far you've kind of come you know just really embrace this moment and just you know when times are getting pretty tough out there and stressful just think back to that sort of you know 13 year old kid coming up even though he sort of started playing a little bit before that but Roseville was probably the first club that he really would consider kind of his first home club and I just wanted him to sort of really embrace that, the moment that he's in, but also just remember where he's come from and try and just be like that 13-year-old kid back at Roseville that's living out a lifelong dream. So uh, I'll have to shout out to Roseville Pro Shop as well. I went in there and I told him who I was and what I was doing and I said, oh, I love a ball marker or something like that. He can just carry around his pocket. Did they charge you for it? No, they didn't. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> That's a win-win. That was a win-win. So kudos to, uh, to Roseville Pro Shop and their support of me and Cam with the uh, with that pitch. So 
whole, a big part of his yeah. a big part of his president's cup was was the ball marker from Roseville. That's why. It's a thought. It's a thought that it is a thought. And tell yeah, you what, so. if you if you learn your golf at Roseville, you can play anywhere, can't you? I mean, that, that can yeah, be there's well, some tough holes in it. It's a good course. Yeah, it's a lovely course. Scary tea shots around there that golf some course. Some course. frightening yeah. courses. I, I, I'll tell you a story one day. when I've got more time, and it's not about me. It's, it's actually about you, Khan, isn't it? This interview. The pathway. Gary and I were talking earlier about uh, the different pathways that players take to get to the PGA Tour. Yeah. And in Cam Davis's case, it's been pretty well all Australian, New South Wales based and Australian, which got him to the tour, isn't it? So obviously it hasn't hurt, and that's still a, a, a strong pathway to take to get on the U. Was PJ Tour? Yeah, look, I think so. Obviously, you know, through the, the sort of the state high performance programs and obviously Golf Australia when they, you know, the, the funding that they get to help them sort of support with that is, is big. I think, you know, in that sort of transition from sort of amateur to pro, it's really important to try and keep that ongoing support. Like one of the things, you know, fortunate enough in, you know, uh, getting to travel over a bit and go into these sort of PJ Tour events, as a coach, you get to walk and chat with other coaches uh, as you're walking along outside the ropes because they're following their player and you're following theirs. And I was very fortunate. One of the times I had to, this is probably beyond when, when Cam was sort of second year on the on the tour, but I had a chance to chuck with uh, talk with uh, Chuck Cook, who was Dylan Fertilli's coach, who Cam was playing with. And I said, what would you give a, advice to a you know a young rookie coach with a, that's got a PJ Tour player coming through? And he said, just look, don't change anything early on. Like, you know, don't change their equipment, don't change their coach, don't change their strength conditioning program, don't sort of change anything that's got them to where they've got to. Because there's going to be enough new things that they're really going to have to learn when they're starting out. They're, you know, they're learning how to travel and where to stay, the golf course. There's, there's enough challenges and new things that they're going to have to learn without sort of changing anything early. And, you know, it was good enough to get them there. It's most likely going to be good enough to keep them there. So I, I think what the advantage of, you know, the through the Australian system and, and I guess the rookie program is that the players get some funding to try and you know, keep that support team with the player. And I was uh, fortunate enough and Cam was fortunate enough to obviously to, to become a Golf Australia rookie and to get that funding, which allowed me to sort of travel over and, and support him. And early on, it was Matt Green, his physio and all those type of things as well. And I think that's a very important part of that sort of that transition for sure, to keep that sort of team of people around the player as they, you know, yeah, ultimately, you've got to get out of Australia to, to make mm, a living and yep, get onto yep. those world stages. And you really need to have that support base with you, I think, to help you with that transition. So, Khan, with Cam's game looking over the last few years, and obviously seeing him now, I think he's like 66 in the world, obviously on a sort of a, an upward an upward climb, he'll be looking like a top 50 player. What parts of his game do you think have, have tightened up or have you, have you introduced anything to his skill set in the last couple of years to sort of for us to sort of see him navigate his way to playing the president's cup obviously playing with scotty who he would have a couple of years ago he would have loved to play a practice round with scotty and the level of play that he he showed in that environment was amazing is there something that you guys have worked towards to get to that stage yeah look i think it's you know every year you sort of you know you you set goals and you know i think a lot of the time obviously uh and as a, I mean, I'd have, I was a rookie coach going out with Cameron, so it was all sort of new to me as well. So it's not like I was bringing a world of an experience. But I think what we did was we kind of learnt together. He obviously came out a set of, a bit like what I was saying there before with Chuck Cooks. And what I knew of the US too, and not seeing it live myself, he had a certain lot of skill sets with making successful there. He hit the ball a long way. He could hit his long irons high. He could shoot low scores. You know, he was a streaky putter and still to a degree he is. So he always, I reckon, had the, the raw material of to be a PJ Tour player. I think what we've done is, I don't think we've lost the, you know, those major skill sets. We've just kind of refined things along we've gone uh, along the way. And there's still things we need to do. Like we, we get his stats every year and look at areas that he needs to improve. You know, he still needs to tighten up his driving a little bit. The length is still there, but 
it's probably trying to get the sort of, I guess, the foul balls out with the driver, which has got better. We've tightened his wedge game up. That was definitely an area, and that could still be an area to improve. Cam's always, I think, been a good iron player. That's kind of his strength, particularly sort of through his middle irons and the opportunity to hit sort of high, long irons. So there's some certain things that we've tried to just keep, I guess, as they were, but fine-tune other areas. And I mean, you're sure well aware and probably have more experience than me, Gary. You're looking to improve players, but what I've learned is you've got to be very careful where you go to look for that improvement, you know. And that's what we've tried to do through stats and all that, looking at his stats at the end of every year and uh, just tried to pick out those little skill set areas that he needs to keep fine-tuning. And I think for him, you know, we brought some very valuable team members in Neil Smith who's a Australian sports psychologist based in America who'd worked with I think six top 50 players in the world so knows that sort of level as well and I think for Cam to sort of I think his skill sets are there what he needs to do is be able to just access those high level skills that he has more often and particularly under pressure you know and he showed what I think he, he could be a top 10 player in the world with some of the stuff that he showed at that President's Cup but it's just that ability to tap into that level of play for him on a more consistent basis. It's just that turning in, turning up day in, day out and trying to get the best out of yourself every day. I don't think he's quite got that yet. So I think it's that part that we're trying to really to, to will help him to take his game to that next level, along with building his belief. And, you know, these players, that's a big thing as well. And while he's sort of shown it, there's still areas that at times, you know, and he's been told by quite a lot of players that he does have that ability. But again, you've really got to have that true deep belief within yourself and listening to actually Mackenzie Hughes's post-tournament um, interview, you know, after just winning last week. And he said he's been building on his belief for a while and, a lot of the time saying those I can instructions rather than sometimes I can't. So I think that Cam's in that space a little bit as well. You see a player like Cam, their sense of belonging yeah. and just being in that environment and obviously being on the PJ Tour, it's a pretty big school. And then yeah. getting to the point where they do feel comfortable playing on a Sunday in the last group with Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth. They actually genuinely feel that they belong there. I think a big part of, you see a lot of Aussie players over the years that get on the PJ Tour, it's difficult for them to establish that belief that they can actually be there with those guys and beat those guys. And it looks like Cam now, he's getting more comfortable in that environment. And that's something that comes with experience, it's obviously. Almost, it's almost like an Aussie trait, isn't it? Uh, it part, is. Part of the Aussie it is. culture. It is. is to if, if you do, well, I think Cam Smith is probably the exception to all of that, maybe the shark. But most other Australians, you look at it, just appears that they, they, they are doing exactly what you said, guys, trying to make themselves feel like they do belong and they can play against the best when clearly they can. They're on the biggest stage. A lot of the Aussies just seem to be, you know, if, it, if I win, I win. If I don't, okay. Whereas there are some Americans yeah. and Cam Smith, no, I'm not happy with that. I want to win. It's funny because Trevor was massive. I don't know how much you've sort of heard of Trevor's interviews, but Trevor was very big about, you know, the obstacles the international players have to do to have success you know, on that US tour and, you know, moving to another side of the world, which is a big step for a lot of players, you know, especially when they're, you know, 20, 21, 22, and, you know, they have to take that risk, you know, you have to kind of get out of Australia and, 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 and be willing to sort of do that travel overseas. And there's a lot of challenges that come along with that. And there's a lot of hurdles that the international players have to do to reach that stage. And again, getting comfortable in that environment, like Gary said, is massive. And, and you brought up Cam Smith there. I spoke to sort of Tony Meyer on um, just yesterday, actually. And he sort of said that Cam really built that belief when he beat Justin Thomas in the President's Cup, you know, and he really yeah, felt yeah, like yeah. he did belong when he had that, you know, to beat Justin Thomas in that singles match. And from that point on, that was kind of really like the impetus to say, well, you know what, I am one of the best players in the world and mm. I can compete. So, you know, we're hoping that, you know, Cam Davis can sort of take that as well, you know, to deliver when it really counted, you know, for those couple of matches and to be hanging around the best players, you know, in the world in that sort of environment is... Uh 
hopefully he can sort of, you know, they can launch him like it did Cam Smith, and hopefully he doesn't get called Cam Smith anymore. He, he'll, be, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be called Cam Davis. That. <laughs> I was there when he won that. Obviously, you were at the Australian. Gary would have been too when it came up on the screen. Great win by Cam Smith well, after Cam Davis had won the Australian Open at the Aussie. <laughs> the yeah, big screen yeah. down where the bar is. It come Cam Smith. It had a photo of Cam Davis, but it had Cam Smith written underneath <laughs> So, yeah, he's got to, he's got to change maybe Cam to something else. What about Yeah, well, that's Walter. right. Yeah, that's Walter right. Smith. I don't think they'll remember that for sure. But, uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, he can, you know, he can take some of those lessons. And, you know, I know he, uh, we don't really get as coaches, you don't get the inner sanctum of a lot of it. Uh, over at that President's Cup, the coaches are sort of, you know, held on the outside. You don't get a lot to go to a lot of the team meetings. You pretty much will just get to see the players, you know, warm up and do any on the range. You can be there with them and at the end of the round if they want to do any work. But you're not inside the ropes and you're not inside of any of the sort of the team meetings. But, you know, speaking to Cam at the end of it, you know, he had lots of chats with Jeff Ogilvie and I um, mean Mike Weir as well. And are you allowed on the range? Uh, yeah, we're allowed on the range. That's basically all we're, we were allowed. We're allowed on the range. It is, it is a weird gig card, isn't it? That president's goal. I mean, just from a. a from a radio commentator's perspective, I did the 2019 President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. I wasn't allowed inside the ropes. I'm doing live radio, yeah. calling a shot from outside the ropes, and I, I look up and I see three Australian journos walk straight past me in front of me inside the ropes. Like they're, they're not reporting. They're just mm. and here I am up on a up, like good thing I'm six foot four. I could see just over the top of people's heads, but and it gave me a bit of context into you know I had the cheering and stuff. But I thought yeah, get back to the old PGA tour and 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 what they consider as um, appropriate or not. Anyway, that's another story for another time again. I've, I've drifted back onto me again, guys. Sorry, Carl. Yeah. No, that's all right. And it's not easy to see. It. You know, when Cam went out with Sea, we were late on that sort of Thursday, you know, they probably weren't like a feature pairing, even though they were playing Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns on that on that first match. Mm. But there wasn't a, a lot out. I mean, the most follow players are definitely Jordan Spieth and Justin yeah, Thomas yeah, like there. Yeah. And when Cam went out and played with Jordan Spieth, you know, second match up on the Sunday singles and Jordan Thomas going out, I mean, you could hardly see anything, to be mm, honest. You know, mm, you had to nearly walk off the hole ahead to see something. So it was, uh, it's a bit of a challenge as a as a coach, but that's the way it is. They, they wanted the sort of the little inner sanctum of the team. But as I said, we could at least be there on the range during the warm-up and post to, to sort of debrief the day and work on anything that, that they might have wanted to. But yeah, as I said, just going back to that camp, got to chat to some really good players and get to hang around, you know, by the players or the, the, or the managers. And, you know, the, I think both the teams got to sort of socialise a little bit when it was done. So I'm sure some of the Americans come in the team room and, I think the beauty of it now, Cam's sort of been a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a loner, but he's done most of the practice rounds and that on his own. And But I think now he would have developed some friendships and some bonds with the players in those international teams that he'd definitely feel a lot more comfortable to be organising some practice rounds with some of these guys and that. And, you know, um, I think definitely one of the things that we're looking to do in Cam's practice is to try and increase that level of competitive practice, you know, mm. um, and, and I've been trying to encourage him to organise some more sort of money matches and some matches that, you know, competitive for practice rounds. He's been out there enough now that, and he's got a really good caddy with Andrew Shooting that can do, they know the golf course as well enough. It's not like he needs to be sort of scouting the golf course. Andrew can do a lot of that work. I think where Cam can really help himself is, you know, organising a bunch of guys and, you know, having a bit of a money match or something on the Tuesday or something you know, during the nine hole sort of practices they have rather than just, uh, you know, hitting shots. I think, you know, the more times that you can actually hit shots with consequence or a little bit of pressure, you just get sort of somewhat inoculated to the mm. to the stress and can manage that better. So 
you know, to be a, a top 10 player in the world like those guys are, they're just in contention a lot. So you just really need to be really good at inoculating yourself to the to the stress, or not inoculating yourself to it, just getting more and more used to it. And I think that's another evolution of Cam's game, you know, just to be able to bring out his best more often, but to bring out his best when it really counts the most is what those top 10 players in the world can do. And so, Khan, how often are you travelling now? Like, what's your commitment to Cam? Uh, often- well, that was my fifth trip over this year. You know, I, I think I hadn't done it in days yet, but probably, obviously, over there a bit with Grace Kim as well. But, yeah, that was my fifth trip. I've probably done 60-odd days with probably Cameron so far this year. And, and you're still married? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. <laughs> That's even more of a victory. Yeah. yeah. I hope my wow. wife's not listening to this too because you might think that she's doing the wrong thing. Oh, no, now, she's right? beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's what you tell me. No. <laughs> I don't know no, where that's going, Gary. No, she's lovely. <laughs> Gar, thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure no talking to you and, um, and congratulations again from, from what you're doing with Cam and, and from golf in, the, in Australia and New South Wales. Thank congratulations, you, mate. mate. You deserve it. And Cam. Thank you so much to both of you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the chat. Cheers, mate. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. <laughs> Well, like I said, guys, I had a guy ask me at the bar, do I use a line on my ball to line up? And, and no, I don't. I did have a crack with this uh, triple track putting putter and a triple track ball. Look on the Callaway web- website and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Three stripes are on the ball and three stripes are on the putter and you line them, obviously, the two things up. I found it fantastic. I think with my experience, and I think we've had this conversation before where when you first try it, it's really hard to trust that you've got the line right. And you see the, the tour players backing off a lot of times to, get, to make sure it, they get it right. And I think there was a time when, uh, was it, it was an occasion where Bryson DeChambeau took about 45 minutes to make a putt and the world just went nuts about it and it, it, almost like it should be banned lining up your ball. So I don't want to encourage anyone to slow down, be a slower golfer, because we're already struggling with that even at the amateur level. But uh, it's certainly got some merit, hasn't it, lining up the ball? Yeah, obviously the aim is the number one fundamental. So if that's going to help your aim... Obviously, the line that you've picked. From my experience, looking at the better players on tour, it's got to be about 70%, even more, line the ball up. Yeah, the line. yeah. Now, Cam, he has a line in his ball. He lines it up parallel to the face. Yes, I saw that. And a lot of, some of the players do that. That's the alternative, isn't it? That, again, if you look at the optometrist, they'll, they'll tell you that when we're sort of looking at, obviously, we're standing inside the ball line. Mm. But we do line the ball up from behind when we initially put the ball down, but... To line it up against the face, they say that's a, that more matches our eye and, and gives us a better opportunity. The only thing I will say is that you've got that artistic component to putting and if you're too invested in the line on the ball and the line on the face, mm. and even though you have established that component and then you just completely forget about the speed. Yeah, f- yeah. So you, you, you've you got to fight that battle between the the science of it and getting, it, getting the line in the right spot, but then also the art of putting, which is sort of letting go and just hitting the putt. But there's no doubt about it. A lot of the kids that I'm teaching now, I'm sort of encouraging them to put the, the line down. But as you said, if they start fiddling and fiddling and they walk away back again, it's almost like you think, gee, it's all getting too hard. But yeah, it's, it's a corny old cliche. You're almost better to committing to the wrong shot than not committing to the right one. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Putting still has to be instinctive. Mm-hmm. If you look at the great, great putters, they'll establish those fundamentals, and we're talking about lining up the ball to the intended starting line that you want to get the ball on. Then from that point there, you've just got to pretty much let go yeah, yeah. and hit the putt. If you're over it too long or you think about it too much, rigor mortis. Mm. And we've all had that. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for that tip. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin. 
Well, Nick Hardy is a rising star on the PGO Tour who I guess epitomises the classic American collegiate pathway to the tour. Gary, you've been a part of Nick's career. Nick is on the line. G'day, Nick. Welcome to Backspin. Thanks for having me, guys. Nick, congratulations on your fifth place finish at Sanderson's Farms. Um, you must have thought you were coming close to your first PGA Tour, Vic. Is that right? Tell us about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was in the share of the lead uh, middle of the round on Saturday. Definitely had my chances. You know, happy to put myself in that position. The more often I do, the more comfortable I'll start to feel. And definitely my goal is to obviously win many PGA Tour victories. So, yeah, it's just it's good to be in that uh, environment. Mate, um, just from our point of view, like we have a pathway home here in Australia. We see our elite amateurs, our elite players, and they, they all want to navigate their way to the PGA Tour. Obviously, that's the Formula One of, of golf. And you've come through the college system. Obviously, you're a standout college player, All-American what do you think the benefits are of, of that system? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I think the benefits of playing collegiate golf in, in the States are uh, that it's just super competitive. There's a, the depth of uh, college golf nowadays is super strong and uh, schedules and, and schools, they all tailor made your schedule basically as, as a student athlete to uh, set you up for success with whether it's like helping out in the classroom all the way to obviously practice facilities. And all these college universities have the best of the best stuff to help you improve and get better. And uh, just the competition alone, though, of, of getting to be surrounded by eight to ten other guys on your team that are battling it out every day in practice, whether it's playing or practice and competing with your teammates and then going on the road and trying to beat other teams. It's just such a highly competitive environment. And I think that's what helps get these young guys, especially everyone that plays in the States, in college just to get them ready for the PGA Tour sooner. And do you think that that makes a transition to turning pro and the level of play you started out playing the Corn Ferry Tour? Did you find it was a another step up from college golf or did you feel comfortable straight away in that environment? I think I felt pretty comfortable straight away on the Corn Ferry Tour, especially coming off college. I think it may be a different conversation 20 years ago, but nowadays like college golf is, like I said, just so competitive and I think you come out on the Corn Ferry Tour as a 23-year-old or 22-year-old and you see several other 22- and 23-year-olds competing on the tour at, at the same time as you. And it's everyone who you p- competed against in college the last four years. So um, just seeing how many young guys are on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour just straight out of college, basically a collegiate field I'm on the Corn Ferry Tour every week. Who were some of the other players on that All-American side in the collegiate system? In my year, yeah. well... Um, Probably Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, Davis Riley, Sam Burns. Sons of the young stars on the PGA Tour nowadays were in college during my years. Wow, that's a fiercely competitive collegiate. And you were number one. Well, we think he was number uh, one. Well, I was up there. I was, <laughs> I was one of the ten all, first team All-Americans. I don't think I was... So that'll good. do me. That's, that'll <laughs> do me, Nick. Yeah, you are number one. Yeah, well, congratulations, mate. Sofa. Gary, tell us uh, your special bond with Nick. You've got a couple of special bonds, don't you, with Nick? Liz Elmassian. Did that sound like a bond? a bit of a sick yeah, old, well, old, old, dirty old man or something. Well, so no, I didn't mean it to sound no, like well, Liz, Liz Elmassian, who was one of our very best uh, female amateurs, runner-up in the Australian amateur, played national team. She travelled to America to obviously play golf and wanted to be a golf pro. And you guys met up four or five, six years ago. Was it just practising in Chicago? Yeah, six years ago, uh, Liz and I met in Chicago and we kind of hit it off and played a lot of golf up at the Merit Club in, in Illinois. And that's, uh, that's how we met. And so through, through Liz, that's how I got to know Gary because he helped Liz and still does with our golf game. So that's how I got to know uh, Gary. Was your attraction to Liz because she had a better short game than you? Or, <laughs> or was there something else? 
Uh, something else. Yeah, probably something else. Her short game definitely led me to get some help from you. So that's kind of definitely there's there's a little bit of piece of that. No, I remember when we um when you first went out in the PJ tour and you'd play a couple of practice rounds with Matty Jones. Just seeing you play, I could see straight away. I thought, wow, this guy's good. And then obviously, then you navigated your way through the Corn Ferry got your status on the PJ Tour. What do you think then the skill sets required to go from Corn Ferry? We see a lot of people bouncing from Corn Ferry, PJ Tour, back to Corn Ferry, and then you do get the few that then become established, like you're becoming established now. The course setup's different. Are they tougher? Do they require different components that, that you've had to sort of adapt to? Absolutely. The, the, the physical components are definitely there. I'll, I'll definitely say one mental thing. I think attitude is so important. That's where you'll see like some of the best players in the world separate themselves i think their, their attitude and how they go about their business mentally that's what separates but also obviously with like you said the, the core setups they're, they're they're firmer faster tons of tuck pins to elevated surfaces where if you miss the green or miss areas the, the ball will fall off and run away from the pin and so you got to be much more precise with your short irons and wedge game and have a really good handle on flight and spin and trajectory with all the clubs in the bag whereas on corn ferry it's more just kind of a birdie fest, uh, quite honestly. Like, it's just not as uh, penal misses from the fairway, so you can take pins on and almost miss green short-sided, and you're trying to chip in rather on the PJ Tour where you miss green short-sided, and sometimes you're just fighting for bogey. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, so the Corn Ferry Tour is a setup for scoring. Does that make it easier or harder, though, Nick? I mean, it, you've got to go crazy low just to make the cut, don't you? Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't think it makes it either one. It is super hard and super competitive in that Sometimes you got to shoot five under just to keep up with the field. But, mm. you know, that's where having some taking care of the par fives and having good accuracy and distance off the tee really helps. But obviously a wedge game out on the Corn Ferry Tour will get you the birdies. As far as playing on the PJ Tour and as far as you looking at your game and everyone wants to improve, what components of your game have you sort of targeted, like especially for this year, this season coming up, what areas have you targeted that you think you can sort of sharpen up on? Absolutely. Well, Gary and I, and with the help of my second coach, Liz, uh, as Gary's second eye, when Gary's not in uh, in the States, well, we've been working on short game big time really for a couple of years now, but I I actually really start feel like I'm starting to get a grasp of it for good now and take ownership and really put it into tournament play and feel confident about it. So I'm making strides there, but also mainly with flight, spin, and trajectory of my short irons and wedge game and getting my sequencing better in my golf swing, I think is what I'm working on because that will help me be more efficient in my impact and I'll be able to control the distance spin more better. Sometimes I get a little too handsy and a little too powerful and using my body and my weight, my sequence, getting a lot of fairway bunker shots uh, to get my impact right. That's what I've learned is really going to help me control that. And I think the nature of the game is that we learn over a lifetime you know, Tiger Woods, the greatest player that's ever played and still does work in his game. It's just one of those sports that is not enough hours in the day, as Ben Hogan would say. But I think the exciting thing for you, like just even looking at that finish in the US Open 14th at Brookline, like the tougher setups moving forward for you to, to look at winning majors, it looks like your game is made for those stronger golf courses, which is pretty exciting. Not just a, Not just a game that you know, when 2200 wins and you've got the capacity to do that. But those tougher setups, those strict setups, the better players always seem to come to the top. It's incredible how the best players in the world, in the majors, mm. they definitely navigate Isn't their it? way through. No matter how they're feeling with their game, like everyone turns up to a tournament with a different level of confidence in their game, but the better players seem to always get there in the end, don't they? 
Absolutely, and I've definitely noticed that about my game, too. Going back all the way to my high school days, it's just I tend to play tougher courses as well because I feel like I'm a great striker of the ball with my long clubs, like my driver and long irons, and you know more of like a muscle power player. But I'm starting to learn the finesse too, which could really help me win maybe tournaments that do go 22 under more often, and I can go low more often than the PGA Tour setups. Nick, is there someone you've played with on the PGA Tour that you just step back and say, "Wow, I need to be closer to that than I am," or is it is it just a case of you you, you see great players and you think, well I can do all those things, just maybe not quite as often as they do, but I'm heading that direction. Is that how you feel? Yeah, early on, when I came out of college, I felt like that. I'm like, I felt like the gap between me in 2018 versus uh, Justin Thomas was a lot wider. But right now, I don't feel that way. There are definitely certainly, in, in, in the world-class players, the top 10 players in the world, they all have a couple parts of their game that are extremely elite and no holes in the rest of their game. Yeah. So my goal is to just kind of hone in on my strengths and be a great ball striker and really start to learn how to wedge it and uh, chip it and bunker it around the greens. And if I can become a little bit above average PGA Tour short gamer, then I think guys will limit for me. What's next for you, Nick, in terms of the uh, PGA Tour? Where, where are you heading from here? I just got to Vegas today, so... I will be uh, playing at the Shriners in, in Vegas this week. Right. And then after that? After that, I've got two weeks off, and then I play Bermuda and uh, Mayakoba. Right, okay. And so your schedule next year looks pretty good too, doesn't it? Like you're getting in the Players' Championship, Riviera, like you, you're getting all the marquee events. Yes, I am. I'll be playing Riviera, Players, Wasteman event, be right. playing at Pebble. Tony Open. So yeah, I'll be playing a lot on the West Coast Swing right to start. What about the Aussie Open? Like whether it's this year or next year, we've had a lot of good Americans come here over many, many years and we've had some great winners of our tournament. Is that something that you'd like to come and play in? 100%. I want to get down there this year, but I'm not sure if it's going to work this year. But next year at the Aussie in Sydney, I I really want to play. I'm for sure playing that one. So at least if they let me. I'm sure they'll be happy to have you. Gary's got a contact. He could probably... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I'll leave that with you. I can, I can, I can get you a start in the pro am. It's a long trip to make for one round of golf. <laughs> but they play about five thousand dollars. They play for I think now, isn't there? No, I'm it's sure. Worth. I'm sure they'd be very, very happy to have you. Oh, it'd be great to have you, Nick. Um, look, mate, thank you for being on our show. Very insightful. It was a good view from Australia to the American PJ Tour and uh, your system, which is the collegiate system, which is uh, interesting for us in Australia to hear. Thank you again, mate. We'll be watching your career with great interest. Gary has massive raps on you, and Gary doesn't have massive raps on many people. I've got to tell you, he's a hard taskmaster. So congratulations on your finish in Sanderson Farms and your the fact that Gary is backing you to win a major. Cheers, Nick. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Thank you, guys. Gary, it's time for our spit of the show. And this show, we're going to be talking about the President's Cup Captain's selections. Trevor Immelman was the captain. We thought he made some bizarre decisions. I'm going to throw this out there, and we're going to be talking. Ryan Fox was the obvious, obvious omission. It was insane. And then he rubbed the salt into the wounds by, by winning the Dunhill Championship not long after. And Lucas Herbert, I know you'll, you'll bring that up as well, and, and, and a valid one. Ryan Fox, he would have been the only player on that team to not have a PGA Tour full-time card um, and I don't know whether this is a reflection on the fact that and this is a quite nasty view on my behalf but Trevor Immelman happens to be on is it NBC um, the PGA Tour's main broadcaster or one of them um, with his with his brother Trevor uh, in, with all the conjecture that's going on between the Live Tour and the PGA Tour was it a 
a bit of a um, support my job, support the PGA Tour selection of not picking Ryan Fox, being the only European Tour player in that team. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. Um, I like my my understanding is that those captains' picks were based on analytics, which is just a fancy word for looking at all their stats, all their data. It's driving, putting, or, yeah, chipping. The way they, you know, w- w- when you sort of dissect all their stats and you look at the course they're playing and the setup, uh, he he, di- from my understanding, he just looked he looked at that unemotional component of the, of the players that would be suited to that setup, and whether he whether he felt Ryan was just sort of bash and barge, you know, as far as mm-hmm. he's a he's a very very exciting player, obviously got loads and loads of talent and whether he felt that that course that classic tree-lined american setup um ryan wouldn't do that well there but that we clearly know that's not the case um you know you look at the picking the best players and whether six picks is too many to take because the reality was ryan was 47 in the world Mm. Um, at now, the time, we know, we know there's a point system that, that outside of the the um, the stats, there is a point system they use, which is a little bit different to the world rankings, and there's some variations in that. Yeah, I'm not, but I'm not, not to the degree that. Yeah, um, I'm not familiar with that algorithm of the President's Cup points ranking system. I know it's quite complex, it's very complex. I tried and to, it, it would, even it, I couldn't understand it. Gary. it, it, it it's, <laughs> and and I wish I had a wish I had a good look at what it was, but it's probably geared more for. Um, getting maximum points from PJ Tour events, I'm 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 not quite sure, but like Lucas Herbert was 52 in the world at the time when it was selected. Uh, Cam Davis, who we know did exceptionally well, was 65 or 69 in the world. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding, it was just looking at the the data collected from what Trevor felt, and obviously his advisors felt were. Their games are going to suit that setup. So someone like Taylor Pendrith, um, ninety-nine in the world, but I think they thought with his length and his his game and his uh, course knowledge of that particular venue, they felt that that was going to be a positive. Whether you know, there's more than than you and I have an insight into. Whether it was an understanding of team dynamic, whether it was an understanding of um, players gelling. There's always politics in team selection, you know, whether that's rugby league or cricket or anything. Mm. But they 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 definitely decided, I presume, to leave Lucas and Ryan out because of what the stats say. So, is there a case to be put forward of not having captains' choices? Just this purely uh, their listing where they are on the whatever that that convoluted system is of. Yeah, I think picking I, the teams. Yeah, I think let's I go think, one to twelve. I think back in the day, the Ryder Cup was ten automatic selections through your um, abilities and and from your score, from your scoring, from your record. And then I think there's two captains' picks, which is understandable. You can have a you can have a marquee player that might have been out for four months with a shoulder injury, and in that time, he. he yeah, wasn't able to accrue enough points yep. to become an automatic selection. So there's always I agree there's always got to be a couple of but I think six is six is a lot. Mm-hmm. And then then you think to yourself if, if it's six out of twelve, 
uh, to play your way in. And Scotty ended up playing his way into that six anyway through his great finish of the year. Um, he would have been a captain's choice anyway, but it's tough to get in that six. Tom Kim was one of the six, the uh, not the captain's picks. He was in it. Um, what's your view on Tom Kim? Doesn't hit the ball very far, but looks like a hell of a player. Oh, he's got to be. Like, like ultimately, they're all great players to get to that level. And he's he's obviously a, a great player. You know, he looked pretty comfortable. Looked extremely comfortable. There's probably a point there to be, to be made about the, the younger, almost the better. You know, we saw the Ryder Cup. Um, the players, the European side was picked purely on experience, wasn't it? Really, I mean, there, was a, there was a couple of first-timers, first but um, they picked some, some players from previous winning Ryder Cup sides, and it was just a complete debacle, wasn't it? They got belted. Yeah, well, look, look, you you do you you do carry a lot of credit for being an experienced player. There's no doubt about it. But golf is a form game. Now, at the end of, at the end of the day, if if you know you 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 you're looking at someone purely from their experience in the locker room, how to handle the week, how to talk to the other players about what to expect. That's that's all fantastic. But that that's really the captain's job. And obviously they bring in ex-Rider Cuppers, ex-President Cuppers as the captain. But if your game's not sharp, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how much experience you got. Plus, you, plus you've experienced losses. That's <laughs> why the young kids well, haven't experienced it, it, a loss yet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gaz, that's, uh, that's pretty well rounding out our show. I'd, it's been fascinating. I'd love those two interviews. Um, Nick Hardy, gee, that sounds like a, a special talent and a kid to keep our eye on. So, listeners, keep an eye on a kid called Nick Hardy, um, the American PGA Tour player. Um, Khan Pullen, fantastic, with, with Cam Davis. Yeah, Khan's done an amazing job. Like, he's um, very humble. And I've known Khan, it's got to be for 30 years. And he he just started teaching golf at a golf club, driving range, and navigated his way through high performance and then made that... Um, made all those sacrifices that you, you make as a coach, all those late-night calls, all those FaceTimes, all those hard times, good times, and and the commitment that he's made personally uh, to Cam. Cam's the one playing golf, and he's the one that mm. um, gets all the credit. But but Khan, is, he loves the game. He studies the game as much as anyone that I would know. And uh, he's a great guy to have in Cam's what's, corner. What's the, you say you get some calls in the middle of the night and stuff like that. What's the weirdest one you've got? What's the weird when you've just sat back after it and just thought, what was that guy trying to tell? That girl tried to tell me what was going on with that. It's it's it. And it's, what time would that have been? Could it be three in the morning? Oh no, I've, I've set I've set my alarm many times uh, to talk to Matt, especially at like one twenty or two twenty or quarter to three, and. It's it's amazing. Like you, you get up, you stagger out of the bed, you sort of wander down to the garage. It's the middle of winter. You turn the light on, and then you you press FaceTime, and there's there's Matt and um, Gaz. How are you? Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm good. I'm Just good. dandy. Yeah. He goes. He goes. You look half asleep. <laughs> and I go, uh, Matt. I am. I am half asleep. And he goes. Oh, I'll only take a minute. And, and he, he'll 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 hit a couple of shots and and I'll go how'd that come out and he'll go yeah it's pretty good it's pretty good he said I feel good and I went um, okay he said um, 
that, yeah, that's okay. I'm fine. I'm good to go. And I go, what? He goes, yeah, I'm all good Two to go. Shots. Yeah, and and, and I, like I hang up and I walk back up there and think, what what was that all about? Like, what? <laughs> you can't go to sleep surely after that. You so, yeah. but um, yeah, that's just something you do as a coach, especially mm. now with the communication. It's so good that uh, sometimes a player just wants a bit of confirmation. Mm. Sometimes they're throwing clubs and carrying on, but <laughs> other than that, <laughs> it's a bizarre sport. Why would you do it? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, listeners, for listening, and we'll be back with another Backspin podcast very shortly.